2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. And you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out.
0: What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It is IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 615. It's already October, October 4th, 2023, as we record this. We are now officially in the, the heart of the big fall game season. We're going to talk about a couple of those newly released games in just a minute. But first, let me say hi to my co-host today. You already know Stella Chung. Good to see you. You too. Khalif Adams. I gotta look at this camera. No, back at this camera. There he is. <laughs> there he is. I'm, I'm off my game today. Uh, I'm liking those. I'm liking the pink headphones going on.
2: Look at that. I, I, I gotta say I went I went all pink for all the gear. I got the, the the headset, the mouse, and the keyboard looking looking real cute. I needed I needed a burst of energy in the studio. It was, I was well, feeling it's, uh, you know it's bre- uh, You got
0: you got breast cancer awareness month going uh-huh. on this month as well. True. So appropriately timed pink. Love to see it. Uh, love the okay. Brookago shirt as well. Solid solid. get-up today, my friend. My fit is
2: well, as the kids say. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Uh, You know what else is fitting well is big new releases on Xbox. Uh, Let's briefly touch on two of them, uh, both getting eight out of ten scores on IGN.com. I confess I've had very little time with the first one and no time with the second one yet, but I still want to address both. Let me start with Forza Motorsports. So it's out uh, or it's it's about to be out ne- next week. Uh, the review embargo lifted, however, so we can tell you about it and tell you that we, as I said, gave it an eight, a great out of ten. Hmm. And it is uh, what it's it's turn ten made another awesome racing game. Yeah, it's. I, I know I, I'm like a broken record with this, but how do you? <laughs> I feel bad for them because it's it's like we. We just tell, we just talk about how great their game is every single time. And it's, it's just like, it's almost mundane at this point. But, Khalif, talk a little bit about your time with Forts Motorsport thus far.
2: It's driving, y'all. There's cars in it. You can go around a track real fast. And there's weather in it, too. But, but, no, seriously, I think, you know, I think one of the things that people were worried about, or at least, you know, the one potential kind of, you know, puddle that they could have splashed in was... How was this game gonna perform on Xbox hardware in terms yeah. of Xbox Series X and stuff like that? And, you know, this thing is rock solid. It is, it has been really cool to see Turn 10 again, kind of dig into their technical bag and make this game as pretty as a game like this can be. I've been playing between both platforms the uh, pc and the xbox series x and i feel like every time i switch between of course on the pc side i'm rocking a pretty uh, hefty card so you'll get a little bit more of those bells and whistles but even when you go back to the xbox series x the small details that they put into this game just really pop on 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 console too which i think is really really fantastic like just small glimmers of you know dust on the windshield the way that the sun comes through your windshield and and gives you that nice kind of reflection off the dashboard i think it's one of those really small things that adds the level of immersion and they've nailed the weather system pieces of this game in a way that i think is really just profound um i've been really happy with it. i've been really excited for it i'm not as big of a car head as as a lot of folks and especially uh, as you but i think for me all those small pieces just feel really comprehensive and and well done
0: you talk about like the weather it's 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 worth reminding people that turn 10 and playground have a shared tech pipeline so Mm. the like the weather if memory serves i know the commenters will correct me instantaneously but if i I, if i'm remembering this correctly the weather first came in from horizon which Mm -hmm. then so playground put that in and then turn 10 was able to grab it for Motorsport and vice versa. They're just, each one will kind of push the tech forward and then the other one gets the benefit from it. And this is the first next-gen only Forza game. Obviously, uh, Horizon 5 was now t- two years ago and that was cross-gen. It was on it was on the Xbox One. And so, you know, it still had some, some Xbox One legacy tech stuff going on with it. Not this game. Uh, this is a, a stunningly beautiful game. And it only—I uh, know this is—I don't—I don't mean this as a slight to motorsport, but I have—I have said for a while that I—I I love the heck out of motorsport, but I—I I love Horizon even more. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. seeing this game and seeing it running and looking beautiful on on the the Series X, um, it makes me extra amped for whenever the next Horizon is, whether that's going to be. Horizon six or whether they're gonna follow motorsports lead and do kind of the soft reboot thing and just call it Forza Horizon. I, I would think, I mean, as a quick side note, I would think they're gonna stick with with numbers and keep going because Horizon's all about place. Right. Whereas mm. the motorsports now kind of meant to be this platform. I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how they how they treat it, but um our just unparalleled racing game expert, Luke Riley, based out of our Australian office. He has reviewed every, like literally every major racing game for IGN on any platform for, I feel like at least as long as I've worked here, like Luke's been at IGN for a long time. There's nobody better uh, in the racing genre in terms of his criticism and his, his love of the genre. So I do encourage everybody to read and or watch Luke's review on IGN on youtube.com slash IGN and uh, yeah, it's now. If you might be thinking, well, an eight? Wait a second. The the bar has kind of been set at nine and ten here by the last motorsport games and and Horizon. So the progression, the career progression, seemed to be the 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 big criticism that that dragged it down from a, a nine because. Everything else Luke had to say was the usual glowing stuff. Um, so he, he did take some issue with, with the way the progression system works. But this is going to be a platform. It's going to evolve. It's going to get tweaked and changed and added on to. So, yeah, that's hitting Game Pass in, I believe it's the 10th, right? I've got mm-hmm. my notes yep. down here somewhere, but I believe it is indeed 10-10-23. Now, the other one is that's, that the review embargo lifted And that one is out... That might be the same day? Yeah, I think that might be out the same day also. And that is Assassin's Creed Mirage. As this will now cue our super producer, Red, (laughs) to... He's like, oh no, they're talking about another (laughs) game! I gotta find B-roll for the next thing! Uh, Yeah, Assassin's Creed Mirage. This is a game that is going back to the roots of Assassin's Creed, focusing on stealth. It is not a 100-hour RPG, and... And that's no disrespect to yeah. Valhalla, to Odyssey. They were huge games, but they were outstanding games as well. But this is this is paring it back down to the to the stealth roots. I for one am, am actually really pumped about this game. Uh, I, I do want to play it. I've I say that every year about Assassin's Creed, and then I just inevitably <laughs> end up never playing it because there's always something else that's that I want to play more. I think I've even said this very recently. So I'll say it again. I do intend to play this one, but specifically because I am drawn to the fact that they've they've focused on the stealth again. And Khalif, again, I know you've you've played a little bit of this. Give me your your quick impressions.
2: It it feels like a really good return to form for the Assassin's Creed franchise. It feels like one of those games where they've really taken a lot of the criticisms of these games are a little bit too long for for what they're trying to do, and kind of you know shortens that up into a more concise and 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 more kind of you know um smarter journey through a story like this um it has so many of the familiar trapping trappings of the series of you know get this get this person who now becomes an assassin and becomes a part of the order and 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 walk you through their their input their particular story i like this one a lot more because this character gets thrown into it a little bit faster in terms of all the way that all all the ways that you kind of remembered these games going where you go through a really long backstory and then you kind of see the progression this they throw you into it pretty early which has been great uh the setting of baghdad is 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 beautiful again i think ubisoft does one of the best jobs on the planet of incorporating culture and really doing the homework of making sure that you have those pieces um in the story in the world telling and in the world building that you have And it just really shines in in a lot of those perspectives. I think in the investigation layer of how you kind of go about finding your, your prey in terms of assassinating people that you, that you got to take out is also just really well done. And and, and it also kind of just remind, remind you of like one and two, and especially two, because I think two was two was the game where they started to get their feet underneath them and really kind of like bridge out what the systems were going to be and, and how they're all going to kind of interact. So. I've just been having a blast with it. I'm still pretty early on in terms of my gameplay too, because I've been coming off of two other, two other games as well. But as soon as I have more time, I'm going to d- jump back into this and, and really dig into it because I'm, I'm liking where they're going.
0: Yeah, Jarrett Green, who's an awesome writer for IGN, yeah. uh, did a great review on this. You should, again, either read it on IGN.com or watch it on IGN.com or on our YouTube channel. And uh, something else about this game besides... I mean, I would say that the return to stealth, the return to the stealth sort of basics of it is the core draw for me. But another thing that certainly helps for me is we've got all these games... We're we're drowning in the best ways in all these big (laughs) games this fall. And Assassin's Creed Mirage is a totally manageable length of time like you could you could play through the whole thing and and not at the expense of having to skip out on on other big fall games we put up a little piece as we do with a lot of big games on IGN how long is assassin's creed mirage and we had cuz we've had a number of folks at IGN who've who've completed the game so far our fastest player finished it in 10 hours our quote unquote slowest player Rolled credits after 17 hours. Oh, wow! So you know you're looking at a 10 to 20 hour game, depending on how you how you like to play, how much of the side stuff you want to do. And I'll tell you both that's it's music to my ears because mm-hmm. I there, it's not that hundred it's not that long games are bad at all. They're <laughs> Baldur's Gate Three might win game of the year. It's 150 plus hour, absolute epic of a role playing game. Starfield is. I mean, the main quest might only be twenty, twenty-five hours, but there's there's a hundred plus hours of content easily in Starfield. But for me, uh, being able to just enjoy Mirage like a good book, just have a have a beginning, middle, and end, in, in and I'm out in under twenty hours. I love the sound of that, uh, Stella. Where do you kind of weigh in on on uh, on game length, like because you? You have a unique perspective in that, you know, you have these first person shooters that you're, that, that you adore playing and you've, you've spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours with them.
1: I do. Yeah. But,
0: <laughs> you know, you also play plenty of story-based games too. So, yeah. you know, how do you, where do you like a game to land on that, on that scale?
1: Well, oh, okay. So I feel like we're also in a unique situation right now where this season we have so many games. So as much as I am loving Baldur's Gate, I that is the one game that I keep playing for myself. Yeah, you've been streaming it. Yeah. yeah. So I stream it, but I also play it offline for myself. Um, I'm about like 80, 90 hours in that. And I'm just like, I love this, but I need to finish it. So that I can go on and move to other games that I want to play. Yeah. But so I, I do love really long games that I can kind of enjoy over time. Um, but for me, generally, like a like a 20, 30 hour game is perfectly fine. Like uh, being able to get a game out in a few sessions. I'm like, this is good. This is good. Now I can move on. I can digest more things. And I have more things to talk about with other people. So I don't know. I guess it depends on the game Type right yeah that's fair uh which is why i think fps games are very easy to keep playing because each match is kind of different no fight is ever really the same even with battle royales uh with baldur's gate totally okay with it being like a 150 hour game um i'm trying to think of other things Ooh, Outer Worlds. That length was perfect. Like that. When I think about yeah. like a shorter game that has about a really
0: 25-30 hour. RPG
1: yeah, exactly. Right there. Yeah, and I'm just like, this was the perfect length. I got everything that I wanted. I feel fulfilled. All the storylines got carried out, and then the DLC, which I see, I have to finish that too. But the DLC, mm-hmm. which is like a murder mystery sort of thing, I'm like, ooh, this looks cool. But it's like a nice little short, condensed story. So I'm like, yeah, all this stuff is great. So hearing this about Assassin's Creed, which i have not always been interested in playing i'm like the fact that this is not as long of a game as the previous ones seems pretty interesting i'm like okay maybe i could mess around a few a few hours see if i like it
0: Khalif, where do you land on the on the quality versus you know on the, on the you know, how, how do you weigh game length in in the games you play
2: it's weird because it has changed over the the course of my, my time being in the industry, where pre-industry, I was one of those, like, I want every bang for my buck kind of person. But now I, I have a better and kind of more discerning eye, too. Like, I can see where there's been padding put into a game. I can see things now where I have, like, the Matrix glasses on and I can kind of see, like, <laughs> oh, I know what you're doing here. And that changes that conversation for me. But. I'm in that same kind of space now where I'm like, if you can tell me a really good, smart, concise story, if that's in a 10 to 15 hour, 20 hour kind of range, that's really great. Like I'm playing another game right now called El Paso Elsewhere, which has been so oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Like that is, that is also a game of the year contender for me in my mind. But I think that game is, is shorter than, than, than this game in that way, but it tells a really tight smart interesting and fun story so for me it's less about time unless you wind up going where i hit that spot where i'm like you're doing this because you didn't have a really tight story to tell right you can see in the side quests where you're like oh this is a fetch quest that i don't need to be here for this is some stuff that i really doesn't impact my actual game those things then kind of inform me about like timing of what that stuff is and then that feels like a waste of time for some of that kind of content. So yeah, that 20 to, to 25 hour range for a really smart, well-told story, that's that's the sweet spot for me for sure.
0: I'm I'm glad you mentioned sort of the your where you are in life as being a yeah. part of it cuz that that's a great point and I can I can echo that cuz yeah, when I was before I, you know, before I was married with a kid with a, with yeah. dogs, you know, with I had just more there was more free time and i'm not complaining i i'm i feel i enjoy my life now i feel fulfilled and uh but but you know games i don't have as much time to sink into games so that they've got to be good and that yeah we you're right Kyle, that we we can sniff out we've been doing this long enough you can sniff out the filler when there's yeah. when it's being padded out you're like i know exactly <laughs> what's going on here
2: uh-huh.
0: and and i will say that Uh, it's been a while since I've seen obvious padding or filler in a major, like AAA caliber game, and you don't really see it in indie games either because they just that's that's usually not part of their their vision as an indie. You know, the, the indie game creators usually have a pretty tight budget, and they don't have time to be just well. Let's just spend another few months padding this out. So you know, uh, Jedi Survivor is on my short list for Game of the Year this year, and that, okay. and I, I put a good, uh, you know, there wasn't a, an in-game timer on that one, but I would say twenty-five ish hours oh, on Jedi okay. Survivor, and and it was, but it it didn't waste any of that time. It did a great job, um, and so yeah, I, I I just I would like to see more publishers do what Ubisoft is doing here in, in these AAA games and not be afraid to, to just cut, just lean them out a little bit. Like, you know, not, we're not taking, just trim, there doesn't have to be any fat, we don't have to fill this thing out, but just give me whatever's gonna be there, make it good. It doesn't have to be this endless, and, and Ubisoft, we've been really critical of them over the years. For exactly that reason, of like you know the Ubisoft game, where it's just an open world checklist that's full of filler. I mean, I, I don't. I'm trying to remember the last Ubisoft game that I rolled credits on. Like I play lots of their stuff, whether it's Far yeah. Cry or, you know, what have you. But it it's been a while since I've actually hit the end uh, of one of their open world games. And so, so yeah, I applaud them for for Mirage being a more focused experience and. Uh, we'll see. Well, be, be, that's an, an interesting subplot to keep an eye on here <laughs> in the industry over the, over the coming years, especially because games are getting more expensive to make. They require more time, more money, more people. So, you know, I don't know how that's, how that's going to balance out with, with player expectation. Mm. All right. Uh, let's get to, oh, and I guess if, if you really want to, uh, not spend a lot of time, but get to the end of something high on life, which Khalif, I don't know if you played last year at the end of the year with that one. I, I finished it. I really, really liked that game a lot. Um, and that was like a tight 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. That was exactly as long as it needed to be. Well, there's uh DLC out on game pass right now. And it's the... You may have seen the trailer, High on Knife. Mm-hmm. So it focuses then mm-hmm. on the, the knifey character. And our reviewer, it's only two hours long, but it's on Game Pass. Yeah. So just like the, the core game is, apparently it does just kind of abruptly stop rather than properly conclude after those two hours, which is a shame. <laughs> but if you just want something you can digest in one sitting and you enjoyed High on Life, <laughs> jump into this. I, I will... Again, put this on my list, yeah, but even <laughs> even at two hours, I'm like, i gotta just find what am I going to not play for two hours so that I can play this, so I'm glad it's on game Pass, yes, and it's just there yes. to download into uh, download onto my Xbox when I'm ready. all right, uh, this week it's just it's the big games are just coming out, so news is kind of weirdly quiet. You have a, a few things we'll talk about here later, but for right now... I, I thought... This, this was born out of a, a, a tweet that I had made about... I, I ranked my... not I didn't rank. I, I listed what I, who I thought were the five greatest developers in the world. So, I'm, I'm not going to give you my list here. Okay. You can go on Twitter if you want to see it. So, but I thought for the purposes of this show... We could, we could each kind of look just at Xbox Game Studios with Bethesda. I'm going to leave Activision Blizzard out of this because the deal's not done yet. But this kind of, I don't know, it was fun on Twitter. It was fun to see everybody else's lists of who th- who was on theirs versus who was on mine. So I thought we'd just kind of go around the table here and, and have each of you, and, and myself included, rank our, just rank Xbox Studios. Yeah. Who is number, like, who's number one? Actually, I guess we'll start... Let's start at, uh, should we go reverse order and go five to one, or should we go one oh. to five?
1: What's more Ooh. fun? Five to one five could be to fun. Five to one. Yeah. Right. yeah.
0: Khalif, I'll start with you. All right. You go to your list. I, I am cheating. Of course, I have it in front of me. You did your homework. <laughs> but I, you know, and, it's, and it's pretty different from mine, which, yeah. which speaks well to the... The, and in fact Stella's is fairly different from mine too. Mm, yeah. speaks yeah. well to the the quality of studios the portfolio that Xbox has built but Khalif, give, give me your list in reverse order
2: here. Your top yes. 5 Xbox owned studios. Ooh, it feels like a, it feels like this should be like a game show spotlight. This is like <laughs> <laughs> uh, well first off I have to say I love both of your lists cuz I can see them. <laughs> but <laughs> um It, it really does come down to kind of, you know, I think breadth and depth. And also I love studios that are trying to do something different. Yeah. And I think studios that are trying something different, always kind of lean towards my sensibilities of what that is. And my number five was Mojang, uh, for Minecraft and all the goodness that's coming out of that studio. I think they have made a really interesting leap from kind of normal Minecraft into kind of the more third person adventure, uh, top down isometric version. I can't remember the name. Minecraft Dungeons, Mm -hmm. Dungeons, Dungeons, which I think was brilliant. Like that's a game that, you know, my nephews come over and we're like, I want to play, I want to play that version of Minecraft. They don't give me the kind of vanilla version of it. They're like, I want to play that one. And it's just a blast. It's something that brought me back into that space in a way that I didn't expect. I think they continue to build on that platform and make something really, really beautiful there. Um, my number four. Oh, yeah, you wanted to pause, add something let me to pause that? You yeah, real quick, just because, like
0: that's, uh, it's on Stell's list. It, I will admit, and this again, it's no disrespect to them. Yeah, I did not. They did not even occur to me as the top five. And it's oh. really, I mean, even though my daughter adores Minecraft, she plays it constantly, but it, it's just. Like you're absolutely, both of you are absolutely right for having them on the list because not just the way they've expanded the IP, like with dungeons, but just with the the care and love that's gone into continual updates to yeah. that game to make it relevant, to make it continually interesting to players of all ages. And like Minecraft, how how long has Microsoft owned it at this point? Does anybody know? I'll look it up while we're while you're yeah. giving your next one, maybe, but. Like they've had it for a while and you know, like a lot of mega billion dollar, trillion dollar companies that, that buy a thing like that. It could have easily fizzled out by now, even with best intentions, Mm -hmm. but the talent of that developer of that studio has kept it fresh, has kept it interesting. And, and it's, yeah, it's absolutely deserving of, of being on the, on your list. So great, uh, great thought there to, to get them in your top five
2: yeah the ip is strong like again that thing has been generational now in the way that we think about minecraft right it's not just you know the kids who are playing it right now it's like there is a actual generation of you know almost adults or you know young adults now who have grown up with that game so you know massive love to to the folks on that side
0: uh it's been, next year will be 10 years since Microsoft Whoa. bought it. They bought it in 2014.
1: Great investment. So, wow. Yeah, really you're, great investment.
0: I'm sure they've made their $2.5 oh, yeah. back on that. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: yeah. Well, okay, to be fair, November 2014. So we still, it's, I guess we're coming up on the nine-year anniversary here next month. But that's still, that is a long time. No, that's a
1: long time. For yeah. them to have yeah.
0: taken this, what was a cultural phenomenon... And not only not running into the ground, but actually, as you said, cop built on it mm-hmm. and, yeah. and made it better and, and kept it moving from one generation to the next. So mm-hmm. good call. Mm-hmm.
2: What's your number four? Number four is Turn 10. Uh, again, I think they have really done the, the job of bringing car culture and video game culture together in a really smart way. I mean, as a, as a child who grew up on Sega's Turbo, uh and now getting a chance to see you know cars that look like cars from from every angle inside the car outside the car and and then all the technical advancements and, and achievements that they've been able to pull into this and kind of make that a part of the new zeitgeist for the the car head and and the car enthusiasts. like that's a huge deal that i don't think a lot of people really give them enough credit for i think you know i remember being really really um uh kind of astounded and excited seeing them do the behind the scenes work of like, how do you capture, you know, as an audio nerd, as a podcaster, you're like, I love to hear how you've captured noises from cars in the field and all of that stuff. Like those are really, really nerdy things that for me as an audiophile, I'm just like, that's a really interesting thing that you've done and pulled in. So turn 10, they've just continued to, to, to kind of grow that franchise and, and, and evolve it into something that, you know, we're talking about today. How many years later at this point? So, and they've never, is pretty good.
0: they've never, they haven't missed, ever, which they haven't.
2: is, yeah,
0: it's astounding to think about that. They've been, I mean, f- the original and Motorsport, I believe was 05. I'm going to double check that, which means mm. they've been going <laughs> 18 years at this point.
2: Wild to think about, right? Like, again, we talk about, especially, you know, in a current landscape where longevity isn't a thing in the studio space. Uh, yeah. To see these teams kind of still be together and have that core still be pretty much, uh, you know, uh, working together. Like that's that's a, an achievement that that also kind of gets thrown under the rug a lot and doesn't really get talked about. So turn 10 is my number four for sure. And,
0: and they, it was indeed 2005. My memory was fortunately still functioning on that one. So yeah, yeah. yeah they've been at it a long, long time. Uh-huh. Number three, Khalif.
2: Number three is Double Fine. I think Double Fine having then being brought over and Tim Schafer kind of joining the fold over on the Xbox side was a huge deal for me personally, as a person who just loved Psychonauts and all the games that they make. Uh, Psychonauts 2 was, you know, one of my game of the year contenders that year Uh, and and getting a chance to see, again, like the way that they have come to this kind of of genre again and kind of re invigorated it and and did things that are really smart technically gameplay wise uh the art in this game you know yeah uh, it's like some of the some of the best stuff that we've ever seen from this platform was in this game and for them to again dig into really uh, smart conversations around mental health and doing that work within that game was also another layer that I thought just like was so brilliant and smart and continue to kind of grow what the potential of that IP could be. And again, I think once they make their next game and whatever that next game will be, it's instantly a thing that will raise my, raise my, my, my ears and say, well, what's the new thing that, that, that the double fine is gonna be working on. Cause I know it's gonna be good right yeah. like i think there are studios and publishers now that in my own mind when i hear that they're working on a project i'm automatically like whatever that is i'm in and yeah. double fine has been one of those studios now for a while for me so yeah double fine hits my my number 3 uh, and, on, and you on my talk list.
0: about like what a mutually beneficial situation that was because you know the the story of double fine has been very well told because They've filmed it all.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, they've yeah.
0: been doing the two-player productions documentaries for a while, which I, I find fascinating. Uh, I, I've said before, uh, watching those documentaries makes me never want to go into video game development because it shows how absolutely <laughs> difficult it is, and how much it just adds to my respect for the the people who do have the. The intellectual and often physical fortitude to to go and, and spend five years making a game, just blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and and you know they were bootstrapping it for many yeah. years, uh, many years. I mean, Psychonauts too, as, as you both well know, st- started off as a crowd funded project, mm-hmm. a- and you know when Microsoft came in. They were able to give Double Fine an extra, I believe it was year or so, is is what they ended up able to provide, and and whatever other sort of resources that Microsoft was able to t- uh, let them tap into, whether it's testing group focus, whatever it is. And you're right, Kyle. We got a, you know, that was Psychonauts 2 was nominated for Game of the Year on the Game Awards, which is you know collective mm-hmm. industry award that IGN and many other outlets vote on, and and uh, boy, yeah, I couldn't agree more like they, they Microsoft has made them better by allowing them to just focus on creativity and not having to go, you know, scrape by for the next paying project to keep the studio open. And obviously Double Fine sure as hell has made Microsoft better with their creativity and, and with what they bring to the table. So, yeah, good call. Can't wait to see what they do next as well.
2: And one last quick thought about that is they've also just helped them kind of also infuse all of that good energy uh, into the indie space with Day of the Devs, which they continue to kind of you know prop up and be a part of uh, a huge pillar of, of that studio, which I think has also been really, really helpful from the Xbox side of things and from the double side uh, side of things on that, on that conversation, for sure.
0: Well said. All right, your top two. I'm eager to hear about them here.
2: Top two. One studio I think doesn't get enough love, and I think they always kind of get you know, chaffed on on a lot of the conversations is Ninja Theory. I think Ninja Theory doesn't get the due that it deserves in a lot of different ways. And I think what they have done for me personally is, as a person who wants to see the technology continue to get better and more um, interesting and see it be used in so many different ways, I remember sitting in at GDC in 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 the crowd at the kind of um, uh, epic state of kind of tech, where the I can't remember yeah. the name of it and every year that of they're unreal? in it that state of calling? unreal thank you yeah. the state of unreal and i go to that because of the stuff that i've seen come out of ninja theory you know them pulling in this motion capture facial technology tech that they've been using with epic and unreal for for a couple of years now almost maybe five or six years now i think that stuff is revolutionizing games in ways we hadn't seen before like being able to capture for a game that has this kind of emotion and pulls together all of these ideas around these really complicated and, and really um, interesting um, theories and, and conversations that we need to be having in the gaming industry and just in general, they're doing something that's that a lot of teams aren't. And I, th- I feel like they've been continuing to build out really smart things in, in the ways that they're thinking about games. Uh, Bleeding Edge, I think, also. Was a part of, was that Ninja Theory or was, was that somebody else? It was,
0: a short lived thing, but yes, I remember playing that at uh, E3 one year. That game was a banger. I don't
1: care what fun. anybody was says. Was that a multiplayer game? Yeah. The,
0: I yeah. do remember that. 3v3, yeah. if I remember
2: correctly.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I do remember it, that.
2: that. That game was dope and it, it, I'm sad <laughs> it didn't really get a chance to continue to live, but it was also cool to see them kind of pivot, right? And say, we, as a studio who've done this kind of really heavy thing, we now are going to do something that's kind of airy and light in that way, um, and, and it was nice to be able to see Leading Edge get some love that that was also on Game Pass and was it was an early kind of um, uh, kind of introduction point for Game Pass for a lot of people. Yeah, it was really cool to see them continue to kind of just move things forward in the way that they have. So Ninja Theory is my number two,
0: and uh, we'll be seeing, we should be seeing their game next year, and a Hellblade so. two should yeah. be twenty twenty four. All yeah. right. You're number one. Um, I probably would have if I, even if I, if I didn't have the cheat sheet (laughs) in front of me, I probably would have guessed this. But there are other contenders, which again speaks to the strength of, of the portfolio right now. Go ahead. Your number one studio in the family.
2: It's got to be Bethesda. I think Bethesda continues to 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 kill it out here. I think they have shown their pedigree is 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 one that has been well earned and they have done it again with Starfield. Wherever you land on the spectrum of love it or hate it, they have done something very special with this game, with the way that they've marketed it, with the way that they've talked about it, with the kind of way that they are building the future of games for themselves, having turned a corner technologically as well, I think, which has been really smart and important for them because the engine was not in a good spot in the last generation. And now that they're moved past that and kind of given more of a foundation to kind of grow from what that, what that means. I think Bethesda just continues to, to be another studio that I'm always just like, all right, whatever you got, let me know. And I'm there for it. So Bethesda is my number one.
0: That's can't argue with it. I mean, we, we don't hear from them very often, uh, unfortunately, given the scope and scale of their games, but we just did. And yeah, they've, they've made something that uh, everybody's having some degree of adventure in, yeah. you know. Again, it's it's been a, you know a little mix in terms of how how much do you love it, uh, you know, and, and how do you feel about it. But it's it's been it's been a big deal uh, on Xbox, and I'm still playing it, and I've <laughs> I've got so much more to do in that game. It's just, <laughs> it's just crazy. So, good list. So, Khalif number one, Bethesda Game Studios number two, Ninja Theory number three, Double Fine number four, Turn 10 number five. Mojang, solid list, Khalif. Good stuff. Mm. Stella, I want to hear from you now. Yeah. What do you got? Hit me, Let's go. We'll, we might as well just go from five to one, like we did, did for Ka on that yeah, one. Yeah,
1: sure. Uh, so in fifth place, um, I kind of struggled between this and the, the fourth place one, but I put the coalition. I mean, Gears is obviously one of those signature Xbox titles that you just can't... You can't think Xbox without thinking of that, True. right? Mm. Um, yeah, they're just so good at making that over-their-shoulder shooter. And also the mechanics were so fun. I mean, like, it took me a while to get used to it, but you, you could, like... Wall bounce, right? And like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is so fun. Also playing the campaign with your friends, one of the best things you could do. There were so many different ways that you could approach this. You could play casually, you could also play it a little bit competitively, which was very fun. How to up
0: the difficulty and
1: yeah. <laughs> also, you know, there was like the ranked mode and everything. So I, you know, actually talking about these lists and how they're all different, it's so indicative of our personality types really and what is. games <laughs> we like to play. Yeah. It is yep. so funny to see that. Um yeah, so I feel like they're one of those iconic like developers. You just can't not associate with Xbox.
0: I have said this on this podcast before, <laughs> although maybe not with Khalif here. So I'd be curious to get your your quick perspective before we yeah. move on to the rest of Stell's list. I have long said I feel that the coalition is underrated; that it does not get the the respect that it deserves. I think it's it's suffered unfairly from the same thing that that 343 really uh suffered from especially in the in 343's early days and that is living in in cliffy b and in epic shadow i think the coalition has done an absolutely tremendous job with with gears of war 4 with gears 5 and uh gotta play that hive busters dlc because that's like a two three hour absolutely stellar kind of mini campaign side story in the universe. Um, so yeah, I, I love you, including the coalition on this. Cause I'm right with you. I think uh, Khalif, do you are you, uh,
2: do you feel they're, they're underrated, <laughs> properly rated or overrated? Super underrated. Okay. I, I'm totally with both of you. I think, like you said, Hivebusters was one of the best DLCs that I've ever played. Like that thing was super, super good. Like anytime you talk about gears, that iconic torque bowl pole, Sound oh. is in my head every mm-hmm. time, anytime someone talks about gears. So yeah, I'm with you on with that.
0: Particularly sure. if it's followed by the 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 Oof. sort of goosh.
1: Yeah, of, <laughs> if you if you
0: hit them in the head, and you, yes. you get that exploding so metal. Oh
1: man, I miss I miss <sighs> the multiplayer. Oh.
0: Watching this footage of Gears Five makes me want to right? Go back and play right? Gears Five yeah. right now. Oh. I, would,
1: I would blast my music and I'd just go in and play. It was so fun. Oh, I haven't. So mm-hmm. I reviewed the
0: campaign for, uh, and Miranda reviewed the multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, but that was 2019 and then 2020 when the series X came out that's when hive busters came out and I played it so I haven't played this game in three years yeah and yeah. this makes me how how much longer are we gonna have to I wait know.
2: for this I know
0: in
1: in unreal engine 5
0: it's gonna be Imagine. insane Gonna be oh. so good. All right, sorry, Stella. No, Back you're fine.
1: You. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. I mean that's that's the point of these lists, right? We can like talk about our own experiences and everything. It's very nice. Yeah. Um yeah, so fourth place with three four three industries. I mean Halo, also flagship series. Yep. Um I, I think they've been doing a really good job. So I don't think I can see much other than I've played the next season for Halo Infinite and it. it honestly, it feels very good. I I feel like I haven't been able to go back and actually revisit that FPS because there's so many live service games that I have to keep up with. I'm just like, you know, I'm taking a break. I'm playing Baldur's Gate. Leave me alone. Let me not queue up with anyone. Not worry about like, oh, this day I have to queue up with these friends. This day I have to queue up with these (laughs) friends. So, um, but yeah, no, I I think they've been doing a pretty good job of updating Infinite and making it one of those games that can survive in this world of like in, the environment towards FPS games is very weird. It's very hard for FPS, FPS games to survive. Uh, just any shooter game in general, which I know we have a story on later that kind of attaches to that. Um, yeah, that's, that's number four. Uh, number three is Compulsion Games, which I know they only have two games out that um, have been on Xbox. But they, we have the, uh, they have their new one that they teased, uh, which I believe was called ah, South of Midnight.
0: Yeah, they, they Mm -hmm. actually, so they haven't shipped anything since being acquired. That doesn't disqualify them at all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we haven't heard from them in a while. But yeah, this teaser trailer at the showcase this year definitely showed a vibe, right? At the very, which at the very, (laughs) very least, it's like, all right, what, what is going on? We have a very large undead band Mm -hmm. here playing, I don't know if it's a banjo or a guitar. I I didn't, I missed it, but yeah, um, yeah, this is. Please talk a little bit more about this studio because they definitely have done some unique stuff.
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting because the first game, I mean, obviously the first game that they had that I I think... God, was it 360 or something? When I had the Xbox One, I remember I was going through like their games that I could get with gold, and I believe Contrast was one of them. So I played mm-hmm. a bit of Contrast and yeah. I realized just how cool they incorporated shadow work into the game. Like that also would tell like past history, stuff like that. And I was like, whoa, this game is really cool. I haven't gone back to finish it, but um they also, commercial games, I think their biggest game is We Happy Few, Definitely. which also got mm-hmm. DLC and it got very high praise from people and it was one of those games that was very interesting and i think compulsion has this style they're not afraid to get dark with it right yeah. but they also mm-hmm. have this weird mysterious style to it something unnerving and they do it really well and they tell a story really well so um yeah also also indie games are you know i've overlooked a lot of the times and i was very glad to see microsoft pick them up so yeah that that's that's my uh, number three
0: Good choice. All right, top two now. It's getting interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so two is Obsidian. Yes. And it's actually, I think I thought of Obsidian because they actually tweeted out that they were having a major update for Grounded, which they've done a fantastic job of keeping alive. And it's been so cool. They've been pumping out update after update. It just keeps getting better. And it's one of those games of whenever I do stream it, I find a lot more people being like, oh my God, I'm so glad you like this game. Did you get to this yet? Did you get to this? There's a big audience for it and it's kind of gotten to, I don't want to say Minecraft levels because that's, you know, obviously has so many years on Grounded, but it's one of those survival building games where people are really loving it. There's like a whole community out there yeah. and they've done a really good job of continuing to support it and more and more people are finding out that it's a really good game to just play. So it's, it, I think that's, and I think of Grounded, I think Xbox. So, and then, you know, Obsidian. So, mm. yeah.
0: This week's podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories,
1: come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Solid. All right, <laughs> who's your number one?
1: Oh, yeah, this is the opposite of Cause list, but uh, Mojang Studios. Yeah, mm. just because I feel like they have... I feel like Microsoft... Or, sorry, not Microsoft. Minecraft has reached and extended past just being a game i mean it's used in educational purposes it's literally used in classrooms to help teach people kids about engineering different things you can you know even video game making and it's really cool to see it have such a wide public reach and i think it's one of the first games that really made people realize that games are not just like a you know weird like call of duty or whatever like hardcore thing it's like oh gaming can be you know, going out to survive, you know, find, befriending a wolf, uh, making your own home out of dirt and stuff, you know, like it's, it's one of those games that kind of transcends just being a game. And it's very cool to see because, I mean, you say, you hear someone say, oh yeah, I play Minecraft. And you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. Everyone can relate to that one game. Um, and aside from that, they also had, they had a, did they have a show or was it the Telltale? It was the Telltale series they had as well, but
0: Telltale made it, but I uh, believe in yeah. partnership with it. With him, partnership. Yes, the, okay, got the, it. My, with uh, Steve, uh, Minecraft Yes, Steve, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, mm, mm-hmm. yeah. They did two seasons of it, I believe. Yeah,
1: and I heard it was actually really good. Yeah. So it's so interesting because when you think Minecraft, you're like, oh, survival, you know, make things with blocks. And It's like, no, there's an actual story to it if you want to pursue it. So it really supports all types of gameplay styles that you want. It's very cool. I mean, when I played, I was just like, at first I was like, oh, I just want to have like a nice little farming sim. And I was like, wait, no, I really like going into the deep, dark parts of the world. It's very cool. And they have only improved it, continue to support it, like you said. And it's it just keeps getting better. And I don't get it. Also, it supports mods, so it's a very big community-based game. Heck yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things of, like, I can't... No, that's, like, one of their major things. So, Mojang Studios is number one for me.
0: Can't argue with it. Yeah. Can't argue with it. Alright. Um, yeah, my list has... Uh, well, let's see. At least one... Actually, my list has two <laughs>
1: uh-huh. that neither
0: one of you mentioned. It's so... a... I love yeah. these
1: lists. They're just... <laughs> yeah. There's so yeah. much our personality. It's great. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, yep. number five... I wrestled big time with this one, uh, with, with trying to, all right, who's, who cracks that top five? Like I, my one, two, three, four, I felt pretty good about, but five Mm. was like, all right, man, who makes the, who just makes the list obsidian. Is it the coalition? Is it turn 10? Because I love the work of, of all three of those studios. Obsidian certainly has been prolific. Yeah. The, you know outer worlds and grounded recently with uh with a vowed coming up coalition I, you know, I, I love gears i did just did a whole spiel on on how I think those guys are super <laughs> underrated and how, how gears four and five are awesome but turn ten turn ten just like we were saying before has never missed so I, I for a little bit of of uh just recent performance. Coalition—it's been—it's been four years since we've heard mm-hmm. from them, so I'm gonna—I'm gonna just drop them off my top five, and so it's down to Obsidian or Turn Ten. It's really hard, but I'm—I'm I'm gonna give it to Turn Ten, just because. Okay. I mean, yeah, maybe there's a little recency bias, but it's—it's it's like we we're saying—they just—they've—they've they've never made anything less than a than a great, a truly great video game. They have, like. Before Forza, before Turn Ten was started at Microsoft, Gran Turismo was it in the race in the like, and I don't mean literally like the only. I mean that was the gold standard yeah. of simulation racing. Of you when you thought of driving games, racing games, oh, Gran Turismo, mm-hmm. and for good reason. That team, you know, Polyphony Digital has done great work f- over twenty plus years now, but. I've said it before, I'm saying it again right now, I think Turn 10 lapped those guys a couple, at least a couple games ago, and that's not, I'm not trying to disrespect Polyphony, but I just think Turn 10, I think Motorsport, Force Motorsport is the best simulation racing game in the world and has been for a while, the new one is awesome, Uh, I can't wait to play more of it, so they're my number five. Um, with, with, a with huge apologies to the Coalition <laughs> and to Obsidian.
1: They're on, they're on our list. So it's okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, number four for me was also your number four, Stella. Oh yeah, that's right. Three, four, three industries. They, I think part of the thing with three, four, three is that for, I won't even say for better or for worse, cause it is for worse. Yeah. There's just a lot of there seems like there's always a lot of drama going on and a lot of it's out of their control. Layoffs, major staff departures. You know, it's uh, but of course there there was a lot of self-inflicted drama before that of before Halo came out of their directors would leave and uh, what's you know the the game showed really poorly in in 2020 and so it it's been it's a roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster, with that studio, particularly over these last three, four, five years. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, Stella, they they did deliver my favorite Halo campaign in a while. They they, in my eyes, redeemed themselves from. Again, I'll, I I'll, I'll always say this: Halo 5's campaign was a bad Halo campaign. It was not good. And they totally it's like dumb and dumber. You totally redeemed yourself <laughs> uh, with, with Halo Infinite's campaign. And the multiplayer was awesome. Yeah. You know that yes, they then fell into the 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 uh, canyon of of sort of expectation of oh wait this has to be a live service thing yeah there were you know th- they definitely struggled through that but as you said they're they've kind of they've like like Bruce Wayne in the pit in Dark Knight
2: Rises if <laughs> they've
0: climbed their odd. way <laughs> if, and, and fallen off a few times but like finally climbed out of the pit
2: oh no uh, which, they were the way, born in darkness what? yeah <laughs> uh,
0: I, yeah I was
2: I was. Forged oh. in it.
0: Uh, <laughs> hate that movie still, but we'll talk about that. Really? Rises, is, I hate Rises. Like, s- seriously, hate that film. That's another top yeah. five list well, we got to talk about. Talk we got to talk about that. Well, that comes up story. on Twitter sometimes, and it's always an art. Like, there are people that totally agree with me that think Rises sucks, oh. and there are people that think Rises is great. And guess what? We're both right. You know, it's, <laughs> there's you can totally love it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's
2: talk later. Yeah. All yeah. Right. We gotta talk about that. I, 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 the funny thing is, I fall on both sides of that camp, depending upon who you talk about in the story. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I don't know the conversation. By the way,
0: I love that I said coming in that we would have like our sort of normal length show. And oh like, my god. But No, we're still we're gonna roll right on to our <laughs> our longer show, which is fine. Um. Anyway, yeah, I I think three four three has. Recovered well, they've put in the work on the multiplayer side of things. Campaign's still great, and Forge is there, co ops, there, uh, online co ops, there. So, uh, yeah, they are my number four. Am I still? I I, I put them at number four while still being. I'm still concerned about the next Halo,
1: yeah. Mm. And I know
0: they're, they're, they, I mean, on some level, they're thinking about it, but. I have no idea what the next campaign is. What is Halo 7? When will we see it? Is it part of Infinite? Is it going to be its own separate thing? Who's going to make it? Because a lot of the senior staff left. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, there's still that big sort of question mark hanging over it. But what they've achieved recently and in some, uh, I, I'm, I'm a Halo 4 stan. Uh, 5, the multiplayer was great even while the single player... Uh, the multiplayer was as good as the single player was bad in okay. Halo 5, in my opinion. So, they're number 4. Number 3 for me, neither one of you mentioned. And it's... I'm a little surprised, but it's okay. It's, again, there's a lot of great studios, <laughs> but I'm, I'm out here to, to show some love at number 3 on my list for id Software. Yeah. Do they they... The original sort of rock star generation, the, the original crew of id Software has been gone for a long time. The John Carmacks, the John Romeros, the, uh, the Adrian Carmacks, all, that, that whole crew, most of them have long since departed. But this, this new generation of id Software talent led by Hugo Martin as their creative director has shown that they love Doom and that they... Figured out how to modernize it and make it fresh and and fun, and again, I would argue as good as any other first-person shooter in in the world, which is you know, which is kind of the the standard of Doom. It it's supposed to be the best first-person shooter in the business. Doom 2016 rocked. Obviously, that was long before Microsoft came around, and then Doom Eternal, super good. Uh, I reviewed it for IGN. Just awesome, easy 9 out of 10. Okay. Uh, I, and we apparently, seemingly know their next game. that will be a what I pre- presume is a Doom prequel, the Doom Year Zero from the leak, the big uh, leak. It's possible that's changed, but probably not. That's most likely what's going to go on. So we're going to get some more Doom. It's software best. They're, they're as good as anybody else in the first-person shooter space. So they're my number three. Number two uh, has made... Actually, did not make Stella's list. Shocking on this one. But nah, <laughs> it's fine. You're allowed. But it did make... It was Khalif's number one, my number was, two here. Yeah. Bethesda Game Studios. Todd Howard and the very veteran crew there that's uh, that's worked together for a long, long time. That, you know, Kobe and a big sports fan, big NBA fan like I am. You, you know that it's... When you have that... When you have good teams that have been together a long time, There's there's that unquantifiable something yeah. that, that you a, the that, chemistry. That benefit yeah the chemistry that you get from being together and Bethesda has that and Starfield you know it's, it was a long wait but we got it we've all been having a great time with it mm-hmm. and we already know that the Elder Scrolls 6 is next which will be the biggest Xbox exclusive <sighs> since Halo 3 Okay. And it's not, I mean, yeah. which is going to be 20 years between, by the time oh, Elder yeah, Scrolls right. Six comes out, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be, you know, 2028-ish. Yeah. Halo 3 was 2007. I, I don't think there will have been a bigger Xbox exclusive in the 20 years in between those two games. So, yeah. Bethesda Game Studios, number two for me. Number one, a studio... I am a little mad at both of you for this one. I can't believe neither one of you said, had my number one studio on either of your lists. I, I, I pretend to hate you both right now, uh-huh. being not at all serious in any way, shape, or form. But my number one is playground games. You talk about a, a group of actual wizards they, they have some sort of sorcery at their disposal uh, from <laughs> yeah. the very first Forza Horizon
1: mm-hmm.
0: to I mean, the, the insane thing is every Forza Horizon, obviously, we're at five of them now, five being IGN's 2021 game of the year, well deserved. Every single, all five of them have been better than the last. The first mm-hmm. one was great, the second one in the south of France was insane. It was so good. Three in Australia was <laughs> somehow even better. Four in the UK was even better still with four, the four seasons of weather. And five uh, just in Mexico being a game so good that people like, if I, if I think it's fair to say, people like Stella that don't normally touch games with cars in them. Yeah. Enjoyed the hell out of Forza Horizon. That's how good Forza Horizon 5 is. That's how talented playground is. We've had two tiny sneak peeks at their uh, their new second team that's being spun up, developing the fable reboot, which might be the highest let's call it the highest ceiling game in the in the entire <laughs> Xbox portfolio right now, You're either one of you is welcome to disagree, but I see a couple of nodding heads, and that's playground's been yeah. trusted with that, and they have never given us even the slightest indication to doubt that they're they're going to deliver anything but an absolute masterpiece that's hopefully better than any of the original fables ever was with Fable two being the best one so uh, Khalif, explain yourself. Why <laughs> playground games was not on your top five?
2: Because <laughs> I don't believe in kicking chickens. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> um, no, it's, well, it's, it's no, I'm it's not really
0: about, yelling at you. I'm not. But no, 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 no. Just no, give me yeah. Give me some thoughts on playground here.
2: I mean, look, I got to ride down the side of a volcano at the beginning of a game. Like what? Like that game is so good. And it brings like, again, that car culture kind of feel and that feel of like being at a festival and being at a party. Like they have really elevated that layer of what the the car gaming genre, the driving genre has been. I think the thing that I keep going back to with Horizon is, and and you you talked about it about 4 and the seasons that they put into that game. Again, I'm a person who loves the technical side of of video game making and and being a player in that way. And seeing them pull each one of those things and having that feel so different and the 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 way that the 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 cars just feel so good no matter what you're driving. As a person who is a bad driver in real life and as a person who is not a supercar enthusiast it was nice to feel like I was a part of that family of, of, of space, right? Like I, I could feel competent, competent in what I was doing in a way that didn't feel disarming. It didn't feel like I was not being able to kind of enjoy the full genre. So they, they have done a great job in terms of giving enthusiasts a big place to play and giving folks who are kind of casuals in that space a place to kind of really enjoy it too. There are very few studios that have that breadth of and depth of, of skill to be able to do that. So Massive shout-out to them.
0: Stella, you want to say a couple words about horizon and
2: Playground. oh
1: yeah absolutely so playground is not a, a studio i was very familiar with until i played forza horizon 5 yeah. because fable i totally missed all of those games right and by mm. the time i tried to go back and play it i was like no this is too dated i don't like it <laughs> So fair. yeah, so, which is why i'm excited for this fable right because i'm like oh i could play this this is going to be up to modern standards i you know won't feel weird about trying to figure out like how to get the um, pc port of fable to run without like there's certain mods that you have to do in order for it to be really playable or like you know a little bit more visually uh palatable yeah (laughs) i was like all right this is great this will be my first foray into it awesome so for me that's why play uh playground was not on it also bethesda GameWorks. i mean it's only been 2020 since they got acquired so for me, I was like, it feels a little early, which I mean mm. I guess you could say for maybe Obsidian too, but I for me I was like, it's a little early. That's my fair. my association with uh Bethesda that I really loved recently was death loop and i loved that well Mm. that's
0: the publishing oh the publishing side yeah yeah bethesda game studios which is todd howard's team specifically
1: yeah and i okay yeah so for me skyrim did not really hit with me i tried a couple Mm. of hours i really tried loved stealing in that game let me tell you being a (laughs) yeah stealing at any game even boulder's gate is is so I, i could not tell you what what is the problem? I mean, I literally went in Starfield to one of those planets where you can sell contraband and not get in trouble because I wanted to keep a plushie that I stole. So you're talking to someone who really likes stealing in video games, okay? So I loved that. But aside from that, the setting just didn't really speak to me. Fallout 4, though, I know a lot of people mm. who love Fallout don't like Fallout 4, but that was my first real Bethesda game that I played, and I was like, Oh, I love this! I have a stim pack tattoo from from, nice. from the game. In oh, that's now. dope. Yeah, so I was like, I love that. But the those are the two games um well Skyrim uh Fallout Fallout 4 specifically that I associate with and I'm like hmm I still feel like it was too recent and Starfield I haven't played enough of. It's fair. But yeah, for me I'm just like well give it a few years I feel like it'll 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 be on my list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh Playground I'll just say like Forza Horizon 5 and if they hadn't already printed the box 2 years ago I would say put this on the box but it is a Perfect 72-degree summer day in video game form. That's mm. what Forza Horizon 5 is. And I think I've said that about every one of them since yeah. too. Like that exact thing. Because they just keep, they keep doing it. So can't wait for Horizon 6. Can't wait for Fable. They're my number one. Love it. Give us yours in the comments if you're watching us on YouTube or on IGN.com. i bet the comment section will be really interesting to just see everybody right. else's... Xbox, you know, Bethesda top five, you know, overall Xbox umbrella top five game studios. All right. Uh, let's, well, how much time do we have here? All right, we got like 15 minutes. We can do this next story for sure. Because um, this is, I mean, this this is Xbox news on the back of PlayStation News, just in the, in the sense that uh, Phil Spencer being the news and that Phil had some public kind parting words for PlayStation's boss, Jim Ryan, because Jim is retiring. He's Mm -hmm. stepping down after 30 years with Sony in March. Uh, And Phil took to Twitter to give a public statement on that saying, Jim Ryan has been a great contributor to our industry and a fierce leader for PlayStation. I wish him the best in what he does next. Thank you for all you've done for the community over the last 30 years, Jim. Well, uh, Khalif, is the word "fierce" doing a lot of heavy lifting in that <laughs> statement from Phil Spencer, particularly after well, what's gone on over the past year?
2: Well, I mean, I mean, it's I mean, the thing is this: I think the the beauty of that statement, no matter where you land on the the fierce parts of it, is there is there also kind of like in sports, right? There's showmanship, right? And I think within the space the where if you think about it from a fan's perspective, especially the folks who are like the super entrenched super fans and fanboys and, and, and fan folks in that in that way with, that are always doing that tribalism thing that they do. This was a nice kind of, wasn't an olive branch, but it was a nice kind of like, I see you, we've been in the wars together, we have been doing this thing for a while, you know, You know, Iron Man and Captain America bloodied on the ground, give each other a handshake kind of deal. Um, and it was nice to be able to see that sentiment kind of be shared across, across the internet in that way. Um, there is a layer of contention there, I'm sure not necessarily specifically professionally in the, in the way of, you know, if you saw them probably in the same room, I doubt that they would come to blows and fight, but it would be one of those things of like Sony and, and the team have tried to, to, to mess things up for, for, for PlayStation that way, Jim, if you're going to be one of the, yeah, for Xbox. And if you're going to be one of those folks who was like digging into the weeds of all the emails, like it was not like there was just like hearts and, and, and candy going across those emails. <laughs> it was a lot of beef. Right. So it winds up being a thing where Jim is leaving and he's going to retire at the end of the year or next year, early next year, I think March yeah, something March. like that. And you know, you have to, I think in the, in the, in the gentleman's way of, of, of doing it, you, you give that person their, their kudos, you give them the, the, the respect that they deserve, because even no matter where you stand on all of these things, no matter which camp you're in, this work is hard. It's not easy. Jim came in at a, at a spot where PlayStation was doing fairly well, but has had to weather a, a bunch of storms, too, that, had, that they've tried to figure out over the years and, and have, have done some things that the fan base has not really been excited about, and, and but has also innovated in, in some other spaces in the technology and hardware side and even the accessibility side. There's been a lot of things that have happened underneath Jim Ryan's watch that should be applauded and should be really kind of given some love. And I think Phil with his um his message that he shared was was kind of leaning towards that. Right. So yeah. It, it, it will be interesting to see what, what the legacy feels like, you know, years down the line. I think everyone has their favorite PlayStation guy, if you were thinking about the, the, the angles there. But we'll see where Jim's kind of legacy lands for, for the fans and for the industry.
0: Yeah, hold that thought on legacy for a second, because yeah. I do want to pivot this back uh, to that exact question with regard to Phil Spencer. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen the, the sentiment pop up online of, oh, well, Jim Ryan inherited, you know, a great... A great hand he was he was dealt right. a great hand from his predecessor, and it 's like well uh there 's as you said cod there 's still a lot of skill in in not ruining and wasting that hand because i 'll I'll, I'll say two words to anybody that uh, thinks that Jim Ryan just skated in and had it easy Don Matrick right Don <laughs> Matrick was handed an awesome situation by Peter Moore. And did irreparable, years long damage yes. to the Xbox brand. <laughs> nope. That so you know, Matric is is the is the the counter to that. So you got to give Jim, as you did Khalif, a, a, a bit of credit for continuing to, to keep PlayStation in the number one spot in the marketplace. I mean, you know, uh, for me still, I think. fierce I think Phil you know maybe was like a that's like a polite Mm -hmm. veiled way of maybe saying cutthroat because yeah you know Jim as we've talked so many many times and I never want to talk about the Activision Blizzard acquisition again but we're Uh, still doing it Uh. for a little while longer (laughs) but Jim Ryan tried and succeeded to gum up the works Mm -hmm. on the uh, the acquisition. Now he may not ultimately, looks like he won't ultimately be successful in scuttling the whole thing, which I'm sure would have been his preference, would have been for it to just not happen for the regulators to just completely block it. But uh, he, he definitely made life hell for Phil and for Microsoft for quite a while. Uh, uh, you know, the, the cloud thing is getting parted off to Ubisoft. Uh, which which you could potentially attribute to to Jim and his team's you know poking and prodding at this thing now, conversely, Jim Ryan also raised prices on literally everything the p s five went up in price since yeah. it came out not here but in most other regions the uh, which then the Xbox did as well the p s n the the online service went up went up in price. Uh, and and games went from sixty to seventy bucks under Jim too, but yeah, I mean the guy still he he will leave with the number one spot in the marketplace. So it was uh, it was it was big of Phil to to take the high road and and put that that uh, those parting kind words out there. Um, but I guess I, I should while we're while we're just talking about the cutthroat stuff, the fierce stuff that he did. <laughs> he did also uh, oversee the strategy of locking ex- specifically locking Xbox out from big third-party games like Street Fighter V, Deathloop, Ghostwire Tokyo, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Final Fantasy XVI. So uh, fierce is definitely an apt and probably carefully chosen word by Phil Spencer yeah. in that statement. Now, uh, the reason that I bring that up uh, and talk about PlayStation guy on Xbox podcast is to pose this question to the two of you. And I'll start with Stella. If the roles were reversed and Phil were the guy stepping down right now, who Phil coincidentally has also been at Microsoft for 30 plus years, (laughs) just as Jim Ryan had been at Sony for a long time. What would uh, what would if Phil were retiring in March? What would Phil Spencer's
1: legacy be? Well, I'm glad you're asking me about what it, what the legacy would be to me as opposed to Jim because I don't know what he would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it would definitely be backwards compatibility. I mean, they've done such a great job of that. Uh, and I was going to say also the focus on not just the Xbox, the console as a platform, but also including PC, which has been incredible. I mean, I... I know that there are a lot of diehard like, original Xbox fans who are like, no, Xbox gamers should just be on Xbox, the, the console. But it's like, no, it's so much more than that. And it's great because now you have more people to play with. You have more people to talk to about these games. And crossplay has been so great on the Xbox platform. Like, yeah. it has genuinely been one of the best experiences because I'm like, oh, I can play with someone on Game Pass, on Steam. I can play with them from, you know, Game Pass.
0: Well, you can play because of Phil pushing this. You yeah. can play with... PlayStation friends too. Like cross yeah. crossplay. you got to give Phil a lot of credit on that.
1: Yeah, that is one of the biggest things for me. But also the fact that, I mean, it, he's, he's been able to slowly take down that like elitist view of just like, oh, Xbox, the box is the platform. No, it's now PC too. And now cloud devices as well. Like they really want gaming to be for everyone. And you kind of feel that there. Um, I had another point, which I am blanking on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Also, it seems like in, in taking down that, you know, idea of just the console being, you know, this 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 stigma around the Xbox where the console is the thing, but also now with the safety tools that they're trying to implement, right? That's a big thing that yes. I don't – that has not been looked at before, but now that is something that he is actively looking at, that he is monitoring. Um, and it sucks that I can't talk about this because we actually had a dinner at Gamescom, but it was a very like uh, – kind of like hands-off, very casual conversation. Yeah. But he is someone that when I – talk to him it was very obviously that he is very obvious that he does care about all the little things all the little bits of feedback he's taken very seriously um safety is something that he's very concerned with and it just seems like he is trying to make this platform for the xbox just more just bigger and more better. inclusive, yeah, and better, yeah. It's great, and it's like he is trying to actively draw in as many gamers as possible and have them enjoy games as they should, which is great. So that that would probably be his legacy for me.
0: Well said, yeah. Khalif, if Phil were stepping down rather than Jim Ryan, what's his
2: legacy to you? Oh man, I, I, I think to echo some of the pieces that Stella talked about. An interesting thing that I've always kind of stayed in the back of my mind uh when talking about phil was that you know he's been with the company for a really long time and has done a lot of different things within the xbox and microsoft company a lot of folks don't know that he used to work in in some of the early dei stuff over at 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 xbox which was a thing that i hadn't known until we had a a a conversation about some of those things when talking about the gaming for everyone program that they've been running And, and in a weird way like we just t- we talked a little bit about Don Matrick in that in that conversation. And weirdly, in a, in a in a in a big, actually profound way, that botching of that era by Don Matrick was probably one of the best things for Phil Spencer's ascension in a lot of different ways. Because if you think about where Xbox was from a conversation In the the zeitgeist, where again there was a lot of uproar from the from the fan base about this is not just an entertainment box. We want this to be a gaming box. And now where we see the future roadmap and the current roadmap of where these products are going, where the Xbox kind of ethos and North Star has been moved to, where it's not about system, it's about ecosystem. Yeah. That conversation starts at the top. And it starts from a space of looking at the things that went wrong prior to you joining or prior to you taking over the company or taking over that vertical of the company. And I think Phil and the folks that he's pulled around him for, for the years that he's been doing this work, Aaron Greenberg, Sarah Bond, you know, Matt Booty, all those folks are also in line here in a way that we haven't seen a lot of companies do this. I got I got into some trouble on Twitter the other the other day when talking about Jim Ryan's leaving. And one of the things I shared was. One of the things I hope for Sony at this point is that they get someone who is more uh, forward facing and more public facing now. And I got a lot of pushback from a lot of Sony fans who are like, we don't want somebody who's going to do what Phil is doing and, and be out front and have these conversations and do this hee hee ha ha stuff for the fans, because it doesn't do anything. We just want really good games. And I think if you think about the Ken Kutaragi situation, which was basically what Don Matrick did, which was the whole, like, "you'll we want you to, to work two jobs to, to, to afford a PS3, there's synergy there, right? And I think the reason why you saw so many folks who were excited about the Adam Boyce, uh, Shuhei uh, Yoshida moment uh, within the PS5 space, and then Sean Layden, who had a really uh, interesting run publicly and was kind of the face of, the 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 console and, and the platform there you see a lot of the things that were being done in that space pulled in by phil and his team and really kind of connecting with fans in an intimate smart um more public facing way um i think all of those pieces really do lend to his legacy now being someone who is paying attention not only to the future but the present of where players are yeah what their needs are and why those things matter to an overall conversation about a system and the ecosystem that they're trying to build. So I think that'll be where his legacy is. It's more of a person who is being a person in a space that's around tech, as opposed to just a person you see in, in, in the castle looking down on, on the fans <laughs> in that way.
0: Yeah, well said. Well said. For me, again, if he were leaving in March, which he's not, at least not as far as we know that'd be weird if they just both
1: yeah no
0: doubt at the same time but no phil phil as far as we know is is sticking around but um it's a lot of what you both already mentioned backwards compatibility is the first thing that came to mind probably not coincidentally because that was his first major initiative when he was named head of xbox that was mm-hmm. the first big thing that he tasked his team with doing is let's get compatibility let's focus on that and uh, and that's continued on up through smart delivery with the series x and series s uh mm-hmm. in in a space where sony in a, in a few instances there was was charging money to go to jump generations mm-hmm. and and microsoft said no we're you know they took a very pc like approach to it and said we want to preserve all of our old stuff get as many backwards compatible games going but and then moving forward, we we want that same flexibility of compatibility going forward. So that that's the first thing for me. Uh, Stella, you mentioned crossplay, and and I already had, had sort of chimed in on that. I just I don't think that Sony, I don't think Xbox gamers would be able to ever play with their friends on PlayStation if it weren't for the efforts of of Phil and his team uh, from the top, really focusing on that and and. You know, making kind of putting the pressure on to both first-party developers, third-party developers, to make that happen, and they kind of they kind of did bully Sony into it in in the very <laughs> if there's if there's a good kind of bullying, that was it. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Give Fortnite some love there too, because Epic did a really yeah. big part of that. So definitely, for sure.
0: absolutely. Uh, and then there are three more, well, two more things. The, the three, but two of them, the first two are related. Uh, I I think I will certainly think uh, about the Bethesda and act and should it finally be approved as it looks like it will be the Bethesda and Activision Blizzard acquisitions. There's no way I won't think about that in terms of Phil's legacy of, of adding that much talent in one fell swoop to, (laughs) to your studios, because that, I mean, the Bethesda purchase changed the fortunes and the outlook Of of Xbox first party, they were they'd already been buying up Playground, Compulsion, Double Fine, you know, doing In Exile, Obsidian. They'd been they'd been building it up, but the Bethesda buy, the Zenimax purchase was just huge for them, and and now we're seeing the the fruits of that really start to pay off with Starfield, with the next Doom, with. Elder Scrolls six way down the road and plenty of games in between. And then the Activision stuff, it's kind of tough to even imagine quite what they're going to do with all that, but whether it's kicking off new games that have been sitting, collecting dust in the Activision portfolio, like, like Hexen when he wore the shirt uh, on stage at showcase <laughs> or, you know, bringing that stuff to game pass and making it more accessible to more gamers. So th- those two acquisitions are, are definitely a key part of his legacy for me. And then, I'm sorry, but for the moment, if he were leaving in March, which he is not, he still has time to fix this, but his legacy as of now still is not enough big exclusive games. That's, mm. that, that's on the short list of things when I think about Phil Spencer's legacy as head of Xbox to date. And I don't think, if he were sitting here, I don't think he would disagree with that. Uh, he He might... He would, I'm sure, want to point to everything that's yeah. started to come out and is on the way. But again, if we're if we we're just as a thought exercise, reversing the roles and that it's Phil leaving in March instead of Jim Ryan, that's that's part of it too. But far more good than bad. Uh, but you got to take you got to take both the good with the bad. But that's that's kind of where I land with it. So uh, hopefully we will not have to really ponder Phil Spencer's legacy for a while. That he'll uh, he'll stick around because. We love Phil, he loves games, and that's a rare thing in a guy in his position. That's something where, no, it's, Jim Ryan doesn't have that. He's done a great job running PlayStation, but that dude, for all, from everything anybody can tell, does not give a shit about video games. He's a businessman, <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. But Phil Spencer does <laughs> care about video games, and that's, that's a good thing.
1: I mean, he was playing Vampire Survivors with his team. Like that tells you a lot. Yeah, I see him.
0: Yeah. I, I see what he's playing. See him on, all the time. On, yeah, yeah he's I, playing. I, I, I see. He's playing games <laughs> regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we got to hit the road here. In fact, are we? Gosh, man, we're over. All right, we'll hold on trivia till next week. Hopefully, Destin will be back. He had a he had a big project that that uh, was urgent that kept him from being on the show today. So let's do a quick sign off, Khalif. My friend, always such a pleasure. Thank you for bringing your wisdom, your insights, your humor, your uh, just awesome enthusiasm and passion for the industry. Where can everybody find you? Give us all the all the spots to find you and find Spawn on me.
2: Yeah, you can find us at twitch.tv spawnonme for our live shows. We usually do that at 6 p.m. PST on Wednesday evenings. Uh, and, yeah, you can find us on Spotify, all the wonderful places where you can catch your podcasts, Apple, and all those good spots. So check us out. We got some good stuff coming down the pipeline.
0: Awesome. Stella?
1: Oh, yeah, you can find me at Parallax Stella everywhere. Uh, I also recently started up my podcast again. So that's Snap Aim Podcast. And it's now on Apple uh, Podcast, which makes it feel way more official.
0: <laughs> it's statistically, most people, like an, an insane percentage of people, as I'm sure you're yeah. finding or will find, that's how they get their podcasts. It's so weird raffle, to me because so. for me,
1: it's Spotify. But yeah, to, to be more like, you know, ex- inclusive, I, I did that. And uh, this weekend, I'm going to be talking to Victoria Tran. So mm. yeah, it's going to be very fun. It's, it's, it's a very casual, very unprofessional podcast. So yeah.
0: <laughs> Wait, this is this professional? This this, <laughs> this
1: is very professional.
0: <laughs> as long as it's fun. I have fun. It's All very right.
1: fun, but Boom. it's very like, you know, I can't, I can't curse. Well, you,
0: yeah, I mean, I,
1: I could, boss, but uh, I could, but we
0: generally try to make <laughs> it a little more family-friendly yes, around here. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. Stella, Khalif, thank you so much. Our super producer, Red, back behind the video wall right back there in the production control room. Thank you, my friend. And thanks to everybody for taking the time to watch or listen. We will see you back here in one week's time.